Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps new listeners find us. Uh, You can find me on Twitter under ILTM. And you can find me on Instagram under the I Love That Movie podcast account. And if you want to catch up with just me personally, I also have an account called AYA and is a Nancy AMI Lisa. And I'm on Twitter under IALisa Cosplay. Um, and the last thing I want to plug is next week, we're going to have a panel at ArlingCon. It's a free event and we're just going to have a Q and a, so I'm going to kind of run through how I started the podcast and where we are today and then take questions from the audience. So hope to see some of you guys out there. That's next Saturday at 3:30 PM. Uh, I'll have some link in the show notes. Uh, and I have a returning guest with me here today. I have Thomas, say hi, Thomas. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. I'm glad to have you back. This episode has been a long time in the making. (laughs) Yeah, it has. I'm I'm really excited to, we finally got to do it. Yeah. Um, So, Thomas, you were on a couple episodes previously. Uh, What are some of the movies that we talked about? Um, We, first one we did was Inception, Mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. And then we did... Uh, Back to the Future 2, I think that was earlier this year. Yeah, it um, ended up being in our top five. Yeah, so yeah, yeah those, so, are, those are the yeah. two the two ones I've, that I've joined you on so far. Yeah, so go back and listen to those guys. But if they haven't heard you on this podcast before, uh, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, so uh, like Lisa said, my name is uh, Thomas Olson, and I um, have my own podcast called Superhero Movie Cast. Basically, we just talk about superhero films, um, just... Me and a couple friends, and you know, I usually rotate guests as well on my show, and it's just, yeah, we just talk about different superhero films and what we love about them, and yeah, it's pretty simple, but uh, yeah, I've been doing that for about a year and a half, and it's, well, actually almost two years now, so it's been, wow. yeah, coming up on two years in August, so it's been a lot of fun to, to do that. Yeah, your show is awesome. Yeah, definitely go check that out, but what are we talking about today? We are talking about... The very controversial and divisive Star Wars film, Star Wars The Last Jedi. I seriously can't believe, uh, I'm just so excited that we're going to talk about this today. <laughs> <laughs> this is something where I, you know, it's probably going to also be a controversial episode. Uh, on that note, I will say I definitely do not mind feedback on any of my shows. You guys know this. Um 
I forgot to mention earlier, we also have a, a Facebook group called I Love That Movie, where we talk about films, but it's judgment-free and it's positive. So if you do join us in there, uh, keep that in mind. And I would say the same goes for this show. I totally don't mind feedback about this particular movie, but um, you know, try not to send me angry comments. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try to keep it positive at this point, because you know this podcast is about movies that we love. So that's why we're going to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess to kind of start us off here, uh, talk about the first time that you saw this movie and what your reaction was and things like that. Yeah, so um, I'm a, just a, just a little background. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, if I had to choose like the one fandom that you know, if I could only watch, be a part of this fandom the rest of my life, it probably would be Star Wars because mm. it I just it just goes way back. I was kind of born basically I have three other brothers that loved Star Wars and I was born in the late 80s so they were born more in the early 80s and so it was pretty much destiny for me to like Star Wars I didn't really have a choice in the, in the household <laughs> I grew up in and so it's been yeah part of my life ever since I can remember and so I was beyond excited I really enjoyed The Force Awakens um, I loved the the new characters of like Ray and Finn and Poe, I was excited to see them, but I was really excited about this movie, especially to see Luke Skywalker because in Force Awakens oh, yeah. we didn't we didn't see him. It was more Han mm-hmm. Solo's story, and uh, just so I was incredibly excited because I loved I love Luke. He's one of my favorite fictional characters, and so very uh, eager to see what they're going to do with it. And I was a fan of Ryan Johnson. I you know I loved uh, Looper. That was a really interesting, fun movie that he came out a few years earlier. So, um, but yeah, with the trailers and everything, just were, were blowing me away. And I was so I went to go see this uh, opening night with, uh, yeah, just with some family and friends. We had a big group together. And um, did you you wanted my reaction, right? For the yeah, yeah, okay. go for it, yeah. Um, and uh, so one thing that I do when there's a movie that I'm really excited for, I usually will do like a social media blackout where I get off social media. So I don't look smart. at any reviews. <laughs> yeah, I don't check Rotten Tomatoes because I've had in the past where sometimes that can maybe influence me a bit as I'm watching a Absolutely, movie. yeah. So I had no idea the reaction to this movie. I didn't know if people liked it. If I didn't know any of the controversy yet. And I remember just like being totally like knocked blown away with it. I mean, I had some things that I was a bit uh, confused or I wasn't sure. I still needed to like let it sink in process a bit. But overall, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I remember going, when I got home, I checked out the Rotten Tomatoes score and it was like a 93 or something at the time. Yeah, it's it's still at 91%. Yeah. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. sweet. And then I checked the user score and it was already at like a 40 or 50%. Yeah, I, I think it's like, like 44 now still. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was like, what? I was so confused. I'm like, because everyone that I saw it with really liked it. Same. Mm-hmm. Um, which what's funny, though, is a few of those people don't anymore. Um, right. I feel like that's what's happened. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know. I was going to ask your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that there's ever been a film that has been <laughs> this polarizing? Like, I know we've talked on the show about BBS. That's another uh, controversial episode where, you know, there are some diehard fans. But I feel like even that movie is more, I don't know, it's almost like there's a very small minority of, of happy fans that like that movie, including myself. 
But with this movie, it is truly polarizing. And there's a lot going on around the film, I think, politically, uh, that is influencing that a little bit as well. Like, whether, you know, someone who doesn't like it individually feels that way or not, I think as a collective, it's just... It's very interesting to me. I don't know if there's another movie out there that critics love this much and audiences hate this much. It's so strange. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, I it was just this weird thing where, like, I was in this tiny little bubble when I saw it that everyone around me really liked it. There was a few people maybe that were like, yeah, it was good. I, didn't, I don't know if I loved it, but, like, Overall, most people that I was with, like I said, it was my family who were all big Star Wars fans, and and um, but then you know I go online and it's like I'm seeing all this hate, and then there's another a family friend of ours that I grew grew up with that you know he's a big Star Wars fan. We weren't able to see it together with him this time, but we usually will see Star Wars movies together with him. And he was on Facebook just totally bashing it and just hated it. Yeah, yeah, and, I have a. I have a close friend who loves these movies and is a huge fan. And I remember seeing his reaction and how this kind of ruined star Wars for him, like completely. And I was just shocked. I mean, just having known that person for so long and how much they love star Wars, I just, I didn't anticipate his reaction. Like, I think that there's a, a big group of people out there that really do not like this film and they almost think the rest of us are pretending to like it or something. Yeah. And it's like, I, it's hard. It's like that whole, you know, a while back when everybody was listening to that sound clip that was like, are they saying Laurel or Yanni? Like, it's like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like we <laughs> saw two different movies. Yeah. I mean, it's just so bizarre. Like even as I was uh, researching the movie for this, um, I, I just casually, I had a couple extra minutes before we started recording and I'd kind of been avoiding this a little bit, but I was like, well, I need to at least try. So I just typed in the last Jedi on YouTube. Man, what a mistake oh, that was. Oh, it was yeah. nothing but hour long rants. I mean, hour, an hour. I was like, I don't even have time to watch this now just to see their perspective, um, on why they hate it so much. Uh, the top, uh, video that came up was called why the last Jedi is a cinematic failure. And I'm like cinematic failure. Has there ever been a movie that has a 91% score with critics, but is considered a cinematic failure by fans? Like, wow. It's just like on one level, it's very interesting, but on an, on another level, it's kind of a bummer. Like it was hard for me to even find articles about it that weren't positive that were, before the movie came out. Yeah. It's almost like since then, people like don't want to cover it anymore. You mm -hmm. know, we're normally when I look up a movie, it's like, you know, Ghostbusters looking back, why that was so great. Like I was having trouble finding an article like that for this yeah, movie. It's, and I think in, in, in my opinion, I think that a lot of those loud negative voices have swayed a lot of other people that, like I said, I had some friends that really enjoyed it. And then since then, like over the last it's been a year and a half now and I've had conversations with the same people where they're like they they don't like the movie anymore they don't necessarily quite hate it like some but it's that they, they really don't like it and it's crazy like you said on YouTube just how much negative content there is about this movie um, yeah and, and normally, if there was this much negative content, there would be a, a critical sen uh, consensus as well like I think there would be 
you know what I mean? Like sure, it would yeah, be like uh-huh. a 20%. Um, you would see mostly negative reviews, but it's weird for there to be such a huge disconnect between people that like, I, I guess you would say analyze film and people that are going to see it. Uh, I I don't know that I've seen that before. And and I'm definitely not the kind of person that always sides with critics. You guys, if you listen to the show, you know that that's not true. Um, You know, sometimes I agree strongly and sometimes I don't. I would say my tastes are pretty all over the map in in terms of that. I just I don't feel like I have to have like street cred. You know, if I like this one movie people don't like, then it's a reflection of who I am. I don't feel that way. But I think I had the same experience you did where I, I, I didn't have a social media blackout. But I guess maybe my feed wasn't picking up on, like, maybe the people I was following at the time were just not the people that didn't like the movie. So I go see the movie. I think it's really good. I looked at the reviews. The reviews were positive. And then I get home, and it felt like slowly I started seeing this extremely negative response. But at first, I kind of thought it was one of those things like, maybe like with the Captain Marvel movie, where they were, you know, bombing it with negative reviews, but ultimately, we would all agree that that was, you know, a positive thing, in the sense of it made, you know, a like a billion dollars and people really resonated with it. Maybe the people that didn't like it, that movie just wasn't the audience for them. Um, But with this movie, I don't think that happened. I think it made a crazy amount of money. I think that, uh, you know, critics really liked it. And I think that there is a large fan base that adamantly doesn't like it. And I feel like it has affected the franchise financially since then. And that has been a very surprising thing to watch. <laughs> right. And it's, it's so interesting. I mean, like I feel like with the rise of Skywalker coming out later this year, it's just so like up in the air, how, like, I'm just so curious financially how that movie is going to do like, Cause it could be received great by everyone. And I, I don't know are people done with star Wars. And I guess what's interesting too, is like, we have three prequel movies that people don't, you know, that are very mixed as well. Um, oh yeah. You know, I'd say yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of negative still about those. And I think some people have come around over the years, but what's interesting is like, like I have yeah. friends that hate, absolutely hate the last Jedi and I can understand people not liking it. Like I, I can see some of the, the critiques of it and understand it for me. It sure. works. Um, but like the absolute hatred, <laughs> yeah, like, it's I'm like, okay, I mean, that's where you want to place that energy in your life like I, I don't know like it's just it's just yeah it, it is it's kind of like wow I mean we have like you know Attack of the Clones for example that's my least favorite Star Wars movie and I there's a lot I don't like in it but I can still find a few things to enjoy and I right and I, I agree and I, I, I like, did not like the prequels that movie yeah terrible like I, I don't go on bash out of my <laughs> way to bash it but I will say like yeah it's not my favorite and which I have friends that are like that with The Last Jedi, but there's some that it's just so extreme. And it's just, I don't know, kind of fascinating well, that it gets that way. Yeah. I uh, I made the mistake of one day saying, okay, it's been enough time. I'm watching The Last Jedi. And I put that in, in my Facebook group. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a, I mean pardon the term, but it was a shit storm. I <laughs> like, basically I wrote that and then I went and did something else. You know, I, I, I'm in that group a lot, but I'm not like always focused on it. So like I walked away and I came back and I could not believe what had happened. I had like private messages from people begging me to delete the thread. I had, wow. you know, people argue. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's only happened maybe a couple times where people have red flagged, like, Hey, like things are getting a little out of control. 
out of control, you might want to step in there, um, which is really nice. I appreciate that heads up. But it, this was like, I mean, it was like I had gotten in there and said something like politically controversial, you know, <laughs> like it was just so extreme. And uh, it was the same on Twitter. I had to like block a couple people. I had to delete my tweet. And I was like, man, I just... I literally, I, I don't think it was anything loaded. I just said, I think there's been enough time and I can come back to this and say I really enjoyed it. And that was like enough of a trigger for people to like come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Um, even when I just posted that I was watching it again, I was nervous about that. But I think that was sort of a test for me to see like who I'm compatible with and who I'm not. I did remove a couple people from my list after that because I totally think it's fine to disagree with me. I, I don't mind that at all, but I, I also don't want to be inundated with tweets <laughs> you know, yeah. telling me why I'm wrong. I mean, nobody enjoys that. Right. So I feel bad. I feel like we're kind of starting off sharing a little bit of the negativity around this movie. Um, but I feel like it, it's unavoidable. Like we oh, kind yeah. of have to address it, you know, it's, um, the, it's the reputation yeah. of the movie now and it comes with it, right. I think, you know, and that's, what's been really frustrating for me over the year oh i guess the year and a half is like last i on the anniversary of it last year i rewatched it and i posted on my instagram stories about it and and it was like i had people out of the woodworks tell me they hated the movie you know and it was like and it's kind of just like that's part of it now i think that this movie you, you kind of can't talk about it without having that conversation because it's becomes so it's so big I, don't, I really haven't I can't think of another movie that is that controversial maybe like you said maybe BVS or a few others but I don't know if it's quite to this level yeah That's, you've actually covered this on your show right I a have, couple yeah, of times a couple mm -hmm. times and I did so the first time it was right after the movie came out and it was we were I had three other guests so it was a packed episode and we were all gushing about it um, and then the next time I brought in a friend that did not like it because I kind of wanted to have that perspective yeah and that we, and we perspective kind of yeah. discussed it and it was pretty civil like he didn't get like you know we, we, neither of us got out of hand and and it was good to hear his side but yeah I've and then over the since then I've always been brought up in conversation a few different times so it's been it's been talked about a lot on my show but I I love yeah. it I love talking about it so me too. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, in this format, we're just going to talk about why we like it. So <laughs> it'll be a right. positive discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just going to read the synopsis real quick and then we can kind of jump in. Okay. Uh, Luke Skywalker's peaceful and solitary existence gets upended when he encounters Ray, a young woman who shows strong signs of the force. Her desire to learn the ways of the Jedi forces Luke to make a decision that changes their lives forever. Meanwhile, Kylo Ren and General Hux lead the First Order in an all-out assault against Leia and the resistance for supremacy of the galaxy. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I see, I, I even that description, I feel like <laughs> there's some people that will argue that's not what happened. Do you feel yeah. that way? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I mean, mean to me, that's what I think, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I think this is a hard movie to, to write in a description, you know, because it's... Exactly. There's a lot, but I think it, it does a pretty good job, you know. Yeah. Gets the gist of it. Gets gets you kind of going in the right direction. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to say a couple quick facts and jump in if you have thoughts yeah. or if you wanted to add some too. With the passing of Kenny Baker, Anthony Daniels is now the only remaining actor to appear in all the official Star Wars films. It's kind of crazy to yeah. think about. It is, and it's I. It's kind of just sad too that like Peter Mayhew, Carrie Fisher, you know, mm -hmm. they've lost them since that too. And I, 
don't know if there's like a picture at the Galaxy's Edge that just opened and it was Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Billy Dee Williams and with, with George Lucas, I think. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And uh, someone photoshopped in like a picture. It was like a ghost-looking picture of Carrie Fisher and Peter Mayhew. And it looks kind of funny, Aww. but at the same time, it's like, it's kind of sad that they, you know, they're not here for that. And, and you know, they're still fairly young when they passed away. So it's, and it's, it's, right. just, it's weird to live in a time where these people are passing away, you know, just because mm-hmm. these were legends to me as a kid and that they're not here. Yeah. Anyways, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Well, really I kind sad. of have to wonder if that feeling and those kind of facts, like the fact that they chose for this second half of the trilogy um, or for this particular trilogy uh, that's going to end the, I guess, Skywalker saga in a way. Um, I wonder if that choice to bring those actors back and for them to, you know, be killed off in some of the movies and then in real life for them to pass. I mean, it really is closing a chapter, right? In a way that I don't think we've ever seen before in movies or film. I don't I don't know that this has ever happened before. Yeah. And I have to wonder if that feeling is part of what has impacted how people feel about this movie and about these three films. Like, is it so painful losing these actors and losing these characters that that's actually influencing how people feel specifically about this movie the most? Because I think it's the darkest. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I mean, because that is really sad. I mean, you know, you talking about that picture and just thinking about that fact that, you know, Anthony Daniels is the only one. Um, usually when there's like sequels that come out this much in the future, it's like usually a reboot or I don't know, you're not dealing with the loss of the characters in the oh, original yeah. film, you know? Right. And there's, I mean, there's nothing else like Star Wars too. So I, I don't know if maybe that's part of it. I just a thought that ran through my head watching it this last time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, and I never thought about that. Anthony Daniels being the only one. I mean, that's, me just, that's just crazy. I mean, even I, I get rogue one. I mean, he even showed up in that for a second, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's weird to think about. It's like, it's yeah. really this last movie. It's like, it's the end, you know? And I, I don't know. I almost feel like the reaction to the second movie, it's grappling with all that, especially with Luke. Sure, um, yeah. You know, I, I can understand having complicated feelings about that if you grew up with it, you know? Right. And I and I know people that are fans that were old enough to where when the originals came out, I mean, they were really young. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was so formative for them. I think maybe, I don't know that my feelings can match theirs because I didn't, I wasn't born when they first started coming out. You right, know? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, I also, another fact I wasn't aware of, even though I've, you know, we've covered a few Star Wars movies on here. Um, Carrie Fisher was also a well-known writer whose services were often called upon as a script doctor for other films. She later began declining such assignments when producers would solicit her ideas, then hire someone else to actually change the script and use Fisher's ideas without paying her. However, director Ryan Johnson revealed that Fisher helped with the writing of the script for this film. Huh, I, I didn't know that. That's... Yeah, me neither. Wow. It's it's cool that he gave her that opportunity and and also highlighted her and didn't yeah. hide the fact. It's it's something I haven't read at all about, so I'm just interested. It kind of made me want to dive deeper, but just something that I, came up. I wonder I why that's that. not bigger news. I don't know, like, and why the if people want to throw some hate at this movie, it's always Ryan Johnson's shoulders. That I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it like I wonder if it's because she's not with us, right? Yeah, it's probably yeah. that, but it's yeah. And she's kind of untouchable. I mean, she's totally. 
you know, so it's like, well, there's no way it's her fault. It's Ryan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So maybe that's why I don't know. But I definitely wanted to read more about that in the future. Totally. Um, also, Luke Skywalker bears some resemblance to Obi-Wan Kenobi's ex- uh, appearance in the original Star Wars trilogy. In fact, Mark Hamill reprised his role in 2015 at the age of 63, while Alec Guinness was 61 when he was first cast as Obi-Wan Ken. I mean, I definitely thought, you know, yeah. that's obvious. Like, I mean, that they were trying to create a parallel with how he looked. Well, his uh, and his the robes sure. he wears, like, in the end of Force Awakens, beginning of Last Jedi, definitely... Very similar to the Obi-Wan look in A New Hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I had never noticed this before, but actually Nick pointed this out when we were watching, and so I made sure to include this as well. Uh, Luke Skywalker refers to the lightsaber as a laser sword, and the only other character in the saga to do so was Anakin Skywalker in Episode One. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think they were originally going to be called laser swords, right? And they changed it to lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like a behind the scenes sort of thing that I think became like an Easter egg in the prequels. And then they included again uh, yeah. in this movie. Um, did you have any other facts you wanted to throw in before um, we dive? So one that I just thought was really interesting is that uh, before they cast, um, and I, why am I blanking her name? No worries. Uh, uh, Kelly, Marie, Kelly Marie Tran as uh, mm-hmm. um, Rose. That there, one of the, one of the names on the short list was Gina Rodriguez, which I don't know if you ever watched. Oh yeah, and there's a few she- others, but you know, my wife and I recently watched the show Jane the Virgin, and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> anyways, it's it, and that show is hilarious, and she's so good in that show, and so it's. It's really weird. I'm trying to picture her in that role. I would love for her to show up in a Star Wars movie or something at some point. But I thought that was really interesting that she almost made the cut for that character. But I think they went with the right choice. I really like Kelly Marie Tran. And I mean, yeah, me too. It's really unfortunate all the crap she's gone through because of because of that role. But um, anyways, I thought that was interesting. I really like Gina Rodriguez. So I hope she her name comes around again at some point in a movie like this. Yeah, I almost wonder if the reaction would have been different, too, because I think, like you said, that show is so popular and maybe she would have brought like a humor or, or, you know, wit to the character that, um, you know, that's not how Kelly, Kelly played it. Um, And um, I had no problem with it. Again, that was just another aspect of the movie that I walked out and everyone was like, obviously, we didn't need that character and she was horrible. And I was like, huh? Like, I just you know, naturally did not have that reaction, never thought it was going to be controversial. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if if she were funnier, if that was something that audiences were looking for. So sure, yeah, maybe yeah. it would be interesting to see how people would have reacted to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned, uh, you know, that you liked Looper that Ryan Johnson did. I I admit when I was doing the research for this movie and just in general, I don't have a lot of experience with, uh, with the work that he's done. I know he directed some of like Breaking Bad Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I even saw a criticism, like one of the reviews I was looking at was like, this isn't Breaking Bad Star Wars. It shouldn't be like Breaking Bad and it shouldn't (laughs) have, (laughs) but, uh, what's your experience with Ryan Johnson? Is it just Looper or have you, have you seen any other? Yeah, it's just. It's just Looper. I've always meant to go back and watch like the Brothers Br- Brothers Bloom and Brick. I think are his other movies. Um, uh-huh. I, ju- I just never have. Um, and then I have watched all of Breaking Bad, so I'm familiar with the episodes he's directed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he directed an episode called The Fly, which is oh, I remember that one. Which is it's a really weird, interesting episode. And most people I know like will be like, oh, remember that Fly episode? That episode sucked. I don't. That was so pointless. And I, I actually liked that episode. It's definitely not my favorite, but it was just kind of like a different change of pace. Um, it was more psychological. It was right, very like uh-huh. Captain Ahab kind of, totally. you know, Moby Dick sort of metaphor. And it was a metaphor, I think, for his life. And right. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I liked that episode. I did yeah. too. And it was it was kind of just a nice break in the rest of the craziness of that show. But and then he directed, I think it's the second to last episode or one of the last, I don't know, because the last three episodes kind of in my head all blend together a bit. But they... Right. So that was basically my experience with him. But I really liked Looper. And so that it was enough for me to be on board and be excited to see what he would bring to Star Wars. So I didn't realize before, you know, kind of looking into this that, you know, he had so little on his resume in terms of not somebody that I would think that they would pick for a Star Wars movie, you know, right. <laughs> like he didn't have like the Abrams background. Um, so he, he was definitely like a departure, I think in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have anything negative to say about him. I haven't seen Looper, but I loved this movie, so I would definitely give it a shot. Um, yeah. So just interesting stuff. I feel so terrible for him for the way that people have reacted to this movie. Like uh, whether you like it or not, he doesn't deserve the kind of heat that he's received. Um, and it's weird watching the behind the scenes now because, he just he's like we're making a star wars movie and he's right. so happy and like it's like a part of me is like oh my god he has no idea what's coming <laughs> right have you have you watched the documentary the jedi and the director i think is what it's called yeah yeah it's okay. actually on youtube yeah i saw it, it i YouTube? saw it yeah mm-hmm. and it's on the special features of you know the blu-ray and stuff and i think to me if i feel like if if people could watch that like a lot of the haters and not that you have to necessarily agree with him still, like I, but I think you could at least get a, di- a deeper respect for what he was wanting to do. Right. And also that he was coming, I, to me, in my opinion, he's coming from a pure place. I don't think he was trying to be like cynical. Edgy like, or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe there's, for me, there's a few moments where maybe he pushed that a bit. But overall, mm-hmm. like, I, I really don't think that was his intent. I think he wanted to do something. He knew he, was wanting, he wanted to do something different. He wanted to make it you know, that something that was going to challenge the audience a bit and make us think differently about this, 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 the series, but also like the tone and the spirit of the, the, the movie for me is totally Star Wars. Um, I agree. It's still really positive. Like right. as much as this is a darker film, it ends on a hugely positive note and there's lots of funny beats in the movie. Totally, yeah. There's a lightness and, and heart to the whole film that I think is great. When I think from, and, and out of all the, movie since the original trilogy you know the prequels and the sequel trilogies to me like even just in the music the john williams score has more callbacks to the original trilogy um music than i think at least maybe it's not but from what i can tell like to that original trilogy and i think he tried to tie in different stuff from those movies into this um that for me just really made me feel at home i guess again with like a star wars film not that the force awakens didn't do that but this just really continued that trend for me where it was like yeah this like this is for me this is like this works in the same continuity the same universe that we got with those original three movies yeah i was gonna say that uh you know one thing about this film that i like that kind of that does i i love to force the force awakens as well but i think this is a, a little bit above that for me because there's a lot about it that i think echoes the original series in the sense of cinematically like i think it's it's a more beautiful film 
and yeah. it's a more like surprising film. I think he he was trying to capture how in the original there were some visuals that we got that have solidified that that trilogy in our minds forever, and it's like people had truly never seen that before, um, and it it stays with you. It's like a painting. It's like sealed in your mind, and I felt that Ryan Johnson did that in, in that. Uh, in that featurette that you're talking about, they, they talk about the, the salt scene at the end, you know, with all the red and like just some of that, that those kind of things in the, in the movie, I think it makes it feel like a star Wars film, you know, but it's new. It's, there's something fresh and different about it, but it's still echoing back to the original. And then I also liked hearing from Carrie Fisher in that, you know, she was saying that Ryan Johnson doesn't seem like this big, imposing, demanding guy that has a vision. But then when you work with him, you know, he's kind and he's gracious, but he's passionate about the end result. And you really feel that um, when you work with him, but in a good way. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think you can really see that in the movie. It's It's got a very specific idea that he had in his head and he put that out there. And I think the risk of that is just it, it does make the movie controversial in that he made a lot of bold choices in the film. And I think sometimes that's interpreted by people as when, when a director makes a bold choice, they're like, oh, well, they're just being edgy. They're being too dark. They're they're doing this on purpose to upset me. And it's like, no, I think they're just they're going with a choice that they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't necessarily have this negative um you know, spiteful angle to it that, that some people see, I think. Totally. <laughs> I I think he definitely wanted to do something that was going to make people, like, think differently of the series or at least take us in a different direction, especially, you know, after the big criticism of Force Awakens being a rehash of Any Hope, which, right, you know, I right. mean, and, and I, like, for me, like, I, I, I really, I love the Force Awakens, but I do, that is, it is very much so a rehash of that. And, and this movie you know, I think for some people, maybe it was almost just like going from that to something so different was almost too much. I don't know, but, um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I I definitely think though, one thing that I really love about The Last Jedi is that he had like a specific theme and message I think he was also going for. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's consistent throughout the film. Definitely. Yeah. So, and I, and I, and I, and to me that message really resonated. So I, yeah, it's yeah, same here. And I think there is a way to read this movie that it does echo The Empire Strikes Back in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I think that it's maybe not as clear cut as that movie. And I think that that movie gives us a few more joyous moments. Right. Um, whereas this movie is more direct with that dark tone. Um, but yeah. it's it's very, very similar. There's tons of things you can pick in here that are similar. Um, but yeah, th- I think that there's a difference between not liking an outcome and it being bad. And that's, I think that's the disconnect for me is like, like you're saying, I totally understand not liking where this movie went, not liking the message, just overall not resonating with the film. But to call it bad because of that is strange to me. It's something that... I guess I, I don't, I still don't quite understand yet, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, I, I also, um, I agree with you in the cast. The cast is a really strong point for this, for this, for these films. Um, when The Force Awakens was announced and when they started introducing who the cast was going to be, that actually got me more excited um, because I thought, wow, they're going for actors that have real dramatic experience uh, either in film or in TV, I thought that that was different 
from some of the other, you know, actors that they've picked in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wasn't real familiar with Daisy Ridley. She, ironically, she's probably the one that I knew the least about, but I was already a big fan of Oscar Isaac, um, you know, outside of these movies and thought he was such a great actor. Uh, same with John Boyega. I had seen him in Attack the Block and I had really enjoyed that film. And then Adam Driver, I actually saw in the show Girls and you know, that show is okay. I mean, I liked it, but his performances in the, in that show are so, he can be so funny, but so dark and so just emotional. And I don't know, he just gives such a strong performance. It's like, wow, we're getting some seriously big talent. And so when I found out he was going to be Kylo Ren, I was really happy with that. Um, and was really shocked by some of the reaction to Kylo Ren, even in the first movie. It was like, to me, I'm watching his performance and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what a powerful actor, This, what a compelling bad guy. And then I walked out and people were like, I didn't like him. I wish he was like Darth Vader. Mm. And <laughs> that that surprised me. And then this film probably ups the ante from there. <laughs> so it's like, again, it's it's with me not being in sync with, everyone else's expectations of these films. And maybe some of that comes from, I'm, I'm a little different from you in that, you know, I've star Wars has been a part of my life in the way that it's been a part of everybody's life since, you know, since they came out, but I, what I didn't grow up a huge star Wars fan. Um, and in fact, when the force awakens came out, it made me go back and revisit everything through a new lens because I'd always thought of those movies as, you know, they're good, mm -hmm. but I had, I, I didn't really connect with them. And then, when A Force Awakens came out, it, it actually made me go back and dive deeper and has made me a bigger fan. Um, so I think part of me liking this new roster of people is that I know where a lot of them come from, the acting background they come from, not you know judging necessarily just how their characters are portrayed. And then also being able to kind of look at it with fresh eyes because I don't have the baggage of you know, loving the way the original was so much that I can't possibly accept something different than that, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I see, it's funny because I was kind of, I didn't really know any of the characters or the actors, sorry, going into Force Awakens. I mean, ah. I'd heard of Oscar Isaac. I, I probably had seen him in something. I'm trying to think of what it pre Force Awakens I would have seen him in, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, um, Adam Driver, I, I knew some of the na <clears throat> the names, but just wasn't familiar with any of their work. Um, but one thing that with the Force Awakens that I I just I fell in love with all of those characters, and I just really was excited to see their story going forward. You know, as much as I was also excited to continue to see these old classic characters, but oh yeah, which I think is what makes for me what why Force Awakens works is because I was so invested in those characters, but. Um, it's interesting because before going into The Last Jedi, Ray, Ray's character especially, I really loved and was so excited to see what they were going to do. Um, so my, if I'm going to tell a quick personal story, if that's okay, but my, oh, go for it. So my, my daughter was born, um, about a month before The Last Jedi came out. And so we, um, we were trying to figure out what her name would be and everything. And as a, kind of as a joke, cause my wife she likes stars, but she's not like I am. She's not quite as gung ho. And so <laughs> as a joke, I was like, Oh, what if we name her middle name Ray and we spell it R E Y like star Wars, you know? And she, and she was like, Oh, I actually really like that as a middle name. And, you know, and so we ended up 
that's my daughter's middle name is Ray. That's and, awesome. And uh, it's funny because it's like I, I'm really you know so one it was kind of a joke because of this character, but the more I thought about it, and especially after seeing the Last Jedi, it it really like I, I just feel really glad we named her because to me she's such a strong character and one that like is, you know, because I feel like the Force Awakens started a bit of a trend, a, a really positive trend in my opinion of really letting female characters have a huge spotlight in these huge, big budget movies. Um, not that we didn't get that before, but I feel like it's since The Force Awakens, it's become more um, acceptable, I guess. I don't know. Or people are more on board with it than they were before, or it's shown that women can lead these big big movies where executives maybe were a little bit hesitant before. And mm-hmm. and I guess it's, it, it's just a reminder that my daughter gets to grow up in a world where she can see female characters like this take the center stage, um, you know, and that she can enjoy these types of movies as much as I did as a kid. Um, anyway, so I know it's kind of, there's a lot wrapped up in that character for me, um, just personally as being like a dad of a, of, you know, of, of a girl and then seeing how she gets to grow up with these characters and, you know, maybe she's going to grow up and not like stars and that's okay. But I just hope that she knows like, as the name wasn't just about a cool name that we liked from Star Wars, but it's that it's a representation of a really strong, kick-ass female that she can she can look up to as one of the many role models in her life. So that character and the, and especially moving into Last Jedi really has a big personal connection for me too. And so that's part of the reason why um, I have such an affinity and love for the Last Jedi as well. That's awesome. And I think the fact that your wife was really receptive to that idea, I mean, highlights something positive about this franchise. I think by making these choices to make these female characters bolder and more front and center, it is inviting new people to watch it that maybe weren't as interested before. And I think that's something that the old guard kind of has trouble letting go of or acknowledging even. Mm -hmm. Um, Carrie Fisher was, you know, a huge part of the original, uh, you know, trilogy. But at the same time, she was still not Luke, you know. Right. And she, uh, you know, uh, George Lucas had her not wear a bra in all the movies, and she's in a metal bikini in the third one. I mean, there's some things about that original franchise that weren't 100% empowering. Like, I, you know, if I wanted to be the coolest, most badass character from that trilogy, I mean, my favorite characters are actually Han or Luke, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even though she was a really important part, even though I love those movies, it is true that she was not necessarily front and center. Not that she had to be, but it's cool to have this new trilogy with a girl front and center because it's different. It pays homage to the original. She doesn't have to necessarily compete one-on-one with Luke because she's not a boy, Um, but also because it brings in a new group of people that now resonate with Ray, including your daughter right? and, you know, and including you. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that there was a, a, an idea, an excuse that we heard a lot that people won't come out and see these kinds of characters. Uh, But I think it depends on how you write them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that what makes Daisy Ridley's portrayal of Ray different is, you know, when you look at sort of like older action movies and and older sci-fi with women, um, you know, they portray them pretty differently than we see them now. Now they're sort of on par or equal to uh, male characters. And when you're when you treat it with that level of seriousness, I think 
female fans are a little more receptive to it. And that's why you see kind of this disconnect with movies like, uh, you know, Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman with a, with a male audience sometimes that's used to the old films because they kind of want those female roles to stay those ways. But, you know, the newer girls of this generation don't want that. Right. So that it creates, you know, they walk out of a movie and go, that was bad. And then half of their audience is like, I loved it. It's like they're not seeing that things are changing, you know, and mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. Uh, you know, I really liked Ray. I liked her a lot in the first one. But in the second one, I have to admit, like, my respect for the, her as a character grew a lot because she's so different in this movie in the same way. I think that Luke was different in, you know. Empire Strikes Back. It's it's uh she had a dramatic character growth in this film. Totally. I think more so than the other characters, setting her up to be really powerful in the third one and I can't wait to see where they take her. But yeah, I mean the entire cast is a, a big part of why I like this movie and it's funny because I think there's some people that sort of have a reaction to this roster of like I don't like any of these characters, you know, some of it is pandering, it's this, it's that. And it's like, you don't know the pedigree that these people actually come from. You know, if you look into their background, it's not like they just checked some boxes. They they went and found some serious talent. And yeah. I think I think walking in with that perspective uh, for me is why I don't, I, I walked out of there shocked by how controversial it was. I was like, no, I've seen these actors before. <laughs> they're really good. So I don't have that baggage of thinking that they're just brand new faces no one's ever heard of, you know? Mm-hmm. You right. Know? And, I, and and it's interesting because I remember when we, when I got out of the movie, my sister, so it's in my family, there's four boys and one girl. And so she was also how to become a Star Wars fan, you know? Like when we were kids, we used to like when we buy like Star Wars action figures, we would kind of secretly tell her like, "Oh, you need to get the Princess Leia figure," you know. Even if like, anyway, so we we made sure she was a Star Wars fan. But it was I remember one of her reactions when we got out of the movie was that she was the thing she said she liked was that there were so many female characters in this film, you know, in in leadership roles, and because you have Princess Leia, and then you have. Um, Admiral Holdo, you've got Ray, you've got Rose, and so um, more so than we'd seen in a Star Wars movie, just see a lot more. Not only is the central protagonist a female, but we also have other supporting characters in roles that are typically were you know typically filled with men. And I think that's another really, sh- for me also, a big strength of this film was to see them be able to kind of balance it out a little bit more and give these, you know, introduce some new ones, but also bring back old characters like like uh princess Leia, and give her something because i and i was wasn't sure how much of her role she'd have in this movie but she really has a substantial role that i really enjoyed as well and it seems consistent with her personality from the original trilogy too yeah. like you know you can't see han solo being a general right <laughs> yeah because totally. he's a scoundrel yeah and you know luke's the way that he went i i thought was really consistent i don't see him as you know, being, I think he's a hero in the moment and he's got the right, uh, I guess, motivations. But, you know, Carrie Fisher's character being the general just seems really consistent with who Princess Leia was in the in the first, you know, yeah, trilogy. Totally. So it doesn't feel like they shoehorned her in or anything. It felt like that's probably what she would end up doing. She seemed to have a really strong moral compass in the first three, maybe the strongest. So I can kind of see her going that way. Yeah, I agree. You know, and this is more reflective of real life too, because in real life, um, you know, like at my job, there's women in leadership roles. It's not like, 
uh, it used to be. And, and I think in a lot of places, a lot of people have female bosses. And, you know, so it's like, I think it's cool that they're sort of making these franchises mirror that. And there's yeah. different kinds of people and they're different ages and they're from different ethnic backgrounds. And I don't ever see that as shoehorning. I just see that as reflecting real life, you know. <laughs> and again, you know, the actors that they chose are people that have been in the business for a long time. Uh, Laura Dern as Holdo. You know, everyone's reaction to her character surprised me, too, because I thought people love Laura Dern because of Jurassic Park and would automatically gravitate towards her as a character. So the reaction to her, again, another shocker for me when I left the theater. <laughs> yeah, that I honestly I hear probably just as many complaints about her than I do you know, anything else in this movie, which is interesting to me. You know, and like the when she flies the ship with light speed through the big star cruiser people criticize that too and what <laughs> and i'm so just like that is so cool like that is such an awesome moment and uh anyway yeah i hear a lot of critiques about her as well but uh with all that said let's let's go ahead and jump into some of your uh favorite parts of the movie and we'll kind of just break them down yeah so um one thing i guess to start i don't maybe we should start with luke because that's pretty controversial but um <laughs> yeah sure so with luke i remember my Thoughts was and you know that first teaser that we saw where he basically says the Jedi need to end. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that was Ryan trying to prep us, being like, "Hey, this is not going to be the Luke you you think you know. We're going to be doing something different with him." Um, and first off, I just have to say, like, just I mean, where Ryan Johnson was handed the baton, like J.J. Abrams and crew kind of left him in a in an awkward spot because, like what else can you do with the character? Why and explain that he has just left the whole, you know, resistance, you know, to be alone on this Island. How else do you like try to creatively come up with a reason for that? That would be really, really hard to put someone in that position. Right. And I so, think it's part of the overall plan more than people want to believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Ryan gets a lot of crap because of what he decided to do. And, and I, th I agree. I think there's probably more conversations with J.J. Abrams like, hey, this is what I was thinking. Um, definitely do your take on it. But I think that there was conversations there. But um, yeah, so I remember the first time I watched it, I was expecting, I was going in trying to expect something different. And uh, I, I remember I didn't love the interaction when he throws the lightsaber the first time. I was kind of like, <laughs> what? That's like, I feel like a slap in the face almost. But um, as the story unfolds, I, I really was able to kind of buy into, um, the pain that Luke Skywalker is going through. And I think Mark Hamill, who, you know, is not a huge presence, at least when it comes to live action for me, I haven't seen a lot of him in live action roles. I've followed his career as the Joker and voice acting, but sure. it was really refreshing and, and really exciting for me to see him on the screen again. Um, yeah, you know, see him acting. And I thought there's that scene when he's talking to Ray about kind of the failure of the Jedi and in his own failure and how he, you can just like feel the pain from what his story and how he just feels so lost and so frustrated that he let down Kylo Ren. And, and to the point where he's like, I, I'm not this great leader, this great teacher that I was made out to be. I can't go and carry on the Jedi in the and, and in the way that I see that we should because he, he was able to also see the Jedi made a lot of mistakes and they had a lot of flaws and you know he with 
really didn't have, I was thinking about it, like he didn't really, it was just him trying to do this. And so for him to go to this place where he just needed to isolate himself and to kind of cut himself off made sense. Not that it's like honestly the right decision, but I think that's okay for a character like Luke to make a, make decisions that are flawed or mistake, you know, make mistakes. And I, I don't know. I just, I really, I really like that. I really like that they went with this bold choice. And I think for me, it still lines up to the Luke we knew in the original trilogy because even in like a new hope, he's this like, he's so anxious. He's so ready. He's so like kind of battle hungry. Um, that when he gets there, it's not always what it makes, you know, what it seems. And, and, I, and then even in, um, a new or uh, Empire Strikes Back, he is kind of like overzealous a bit and kind of makes mistakes and doesn't always think things through. And then, but to me, the point where I feel like they, Ryan Johnson, really lined up Luke with who we who he was in the original trilogy was in Return of the Jedi when he is fighting Darth Vader and he decides to no longer fight him, throws his lightsaber, and basically at that point decides like. He's not going to use violence anymore as a way to exactly accomplish yep. his goals, mm-hmm. and that's the Luke we know in this movie. Is like he's kind of said, like you know, I'm not, I'm not going down that path anymore. This is, I need to do do something different. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, um, but just as an overall, I I really I really liked where they went. It was really interesting. It was really different, and I've I've had a lot of conversations with people. Had we had this not been the first time we've seen Luke since Return of the Jedi, I don't. I think this portrayal and this perception maybe have been received a little bit better. But this was the first time we went from Return of the Jedi to this, and so I can understand why people weren't on board. Um, but it, but but for me, it, it really worked. I I agree. I think that I had never thought of it that way, but I, but I agree with what you just said. Of if we had more time with him, and then he had this dark turn. I think audiences would have been more receptive to it, but I I think it's really consistent with who he is because I think in the original trilogy he starts off as you know a farm boy, uh, and then in, in Empire Strikes Back he makes a big crucial bad decision that Yoda warns him against that to go save his friends, mm-hmm. and I think that gets glossed over by fans a little bit, but because it's like, it seems like the right thing to do, right? You're like, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to save my friends. But then it has huge consequences. That movie ends with Han being put in carbonite and, you know, everything's bad. They've lost. And so ultimately he did make a bad decision. Um, And that, that decision-making is echoed a lot in this movie with other characters uh, that we can get into later. But I think that, even though it has, you know, even though it seemed like a good idea, it wasn't. And that's kind of a theme, I think, in this movie, too, of like, you know, just because something seems like the right path doesn't mean that it is. And, you know, Luke sets up in this movie, even in the beginning, this isn't going to go the way you think it's going to go. And that's mm-hmm. that could also be a theme for the entire movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I think that um, he's doing that typical, you know, I feel like the Jedi are obviously they resemble samurai in a lot of ways. And in like Japanese movies or in Japanese stories, there's almost always an old samurai that no longer fights, that totally regrets it, that has thrown his sword down and takes up this life of nonviolence. And I feel like this is just echoing that, you know, it's like after you've seen so much destruction, you're realizing that going out guns blazing isn't the right thing to do a lot of times, that the more mature thing to do is to not fight. 
And I think Luke has this perspective and maybe they should have said it in the film and this would have helped people. But, you know, there's a part in the movie where Snoke tells uh, Kylo Ren that as he gets stronger, someone will rise to meet him. Well, you know, Luke Skywalker is the strongest and he knows that by being the strongest Jedi, by being the most powerful, that something will rise to meet him. And so in a way, the stronger the Jedi are, the stronger the Sith are. And he's figured that out. And Ooh. so in his mind, he's like, there's a level of arrogance to continuing this line, continuing to train, to continuing to get stronger, and not acknowledging the fact that we're also creating a problem. Right. And so I feel like, and then the other thing, the other obvious parallel is that he's doing what you know, uh, Yoda did where Yoda, uh, felt responsible for Anakin and was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go to a little Island. I'm not going to train people anymore. I'm just, I'm just done. Like this doesn't lead to anything good. Um, and then, you know, this is what Luke's doing. He's, he's coming to that same conclusion, that same level of defeat. And that's why I think he's on the Island. And I think if you can go back and watch the whole movie with that idea in mind, with those big concepts in your head, it makes a lot of what Luke's doing, like make more sense. It doesn't make him seem overly negative. It makes him seem like you said, someone who's in pain and who's really disillusioned as to what his purpose is right. in the story. Because I mean, there was a part of me, even in the force awakens, I'm like, you know what? Like, this is a really cool movie, but in a way it's like nothing ever changes. You know, yeah. uh, Luke started off in the original series as the last Jedi. And here we are again, still fighting the same dark forces. You know, Vader's not even here. And yet we're still in the same place. So I, I kind of felt like we were already set up to have these expectations and to have these ideas floating around. But I guess, you know, maybe not everybody saw it from that perspective, you know. Sure. Right. Yeah. So I, I really love his arc in this film. And I think that he has a wonderful wrap up and it's extremely positive. So I was kind of I was just surprised by, you know, I keep saying that but by the reaction. <laughs> well, and it plays into like one of the overall themes that I think this movie is getting across. And, and, it, and it's kind of nailed on the head with that scene with Yoda, um, you know, as Luke is talking to him and in confusion and Yoda tells him, you know, the greatest failure or the greatest teacher failure is, you know, and I, and I think that's this whole movie is like all the characters at some point fail in their missions. Um, you know, Ray fails to turn Kylo Ren to the light side and then Poe fails at his mission. And, and so does, uh, um, Finn and Rose. And I think, you know, Luke realizes his failure. And, and I think that's just a really powerful theme because it's like, it's one, it's a little bit different than always just seeing the good guys win, but I think it's um, a more, to me, it's just a more relatable aspect of, of like life. And we all have things in our head where they're going to work out. This is how it's going to play out and everything's going to go this way, but in reality it doesn't. But what I love is like the end of the movie, it's like they don't totally fail because they survive. Um, that was, and that was the mission all along. And I think that was another thing that Ryan Johnson was trying to, get across is that sometimes you have to live to, to fight another day basically like because even the first line of the movie and I didn't actually didn't notice this until I just went back and watched it but it's uh Carrie Fisher's daughter's character and I don't remember her name but she has the first line in the movie where or the second line where this other um, resistance general or uh, leader is basically saying we have to get our, our 
get the artillery, 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 I can't say that word right now. <laughs> it's okay, artillery. Uh, art- yes, thank you. Uh, we have to get it loaded in the ship. And she says, no, there's no time. We have to leave. And so he's worried about getting the weapons so they can fight. And she's like, no, we just have to get everyone on board and escape. Oh, I did not notice that either. Yeah, and I didn't notice that either. But then when you watch the whole movie, that's really like what um, Leia's whole mission is. She's like, we don't have enough to, you know, have this launch this full scale battle with the resistance or with the first order and 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 sometimes that's okay sometimes you just have to be able to live to fight another day you have to keep the spark alive you have to keep hope alive you know and that's another thing they talk about is lighting the spark of the rebellion again and that's her mission leia's mission is to be able to continue that that and poe is not you know i think poe kind of represents some of us as audience members of like no we want to fight we want to see this like this this battle that's what Star Wars is about but sometimes it's just about living to fight another day and and then uh it kind of is to me encapsulated by that scene with Rose and Finn where she saves his life and she gives that quote of like you know we're not going to win fighting what we hate but saving what we love and I that I that whole thing really worked for me same yeah and yeah. And, and who would know that better than Carrie or right. than than uh, Princess Leia because she lost an entire planet. Something oh, I think yeah. we forget. Cool. You know, she knows what it means to lose everything, and so she is able to see a bigger picture in the way that a lot of the other characters cannot, mm-hmm. because she has context that they don't have. Right. Um. And and, and Rose too, because she lost her sister. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, yeah, it's about saving the things that we love, keeping what we have intact, rather than risking it all. You know. And, and losing because you know even like when they win that battle in the beginning where poe is you know all thinking that they, it was a victory and leia in her eyes she there's that scene where she looks down and she looks at it shows how many of her fighters were destroyed in that and there's more than you know i think there's only a few handful of ships that made it out of that first battle and she sees that as a as a loss because they just lost a lot of great people in that battle um, and I think one thing that's really interesting that I, I really love about Ryan Johnson's writing and directing is that the final battle takes place on a planet covered in salt. And if you think about one of the purposes of salt, it's to preserve things. Um, mm. And, you know, and I, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence that he did that. He set this, this final battle on, on a planet that's all about preserving the light, preserving hope. And I think sometimes we can... In, get caught up in the fight that we think we have to like we can lose ourselves to it rather than preserving the good that is still in us and the, in the good around in the people around us anyway. right because that's what separates them from the other side they're right, not all exactly, about yeah. just winning you know they're about uh about caring about people that they love people that are close to them are not expendable for the greater good the way that the first order is and i think a lot somewhere along the way a lot of the characters forget that and i think we as audience members are trained to ex- have certain expectations, which again, Ryan Johnson says in the movie, like throw those out the window, let the past die, <laughs> you know, kill yeah. it if you have to, because it's not the point of this film. And I think, you know, with Poe, I could see really clearly in the first viewing why his character went the way he did, how he failed. And I think the struggle that a lot of people are having with that character is we've never really seen that before or not often like Han Solo never made a huge mistake that cost a bunch of lives, you know? And so we kind of have to remember that Poe isn't Han number one. And then number two, 
like she says in the movie, you know, you can't win every battle by coming in, you know, guns blazing or whatever she says. Like, you can't just be a cowboy here. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of saying, like, the way that Han operates isn't going to work. And remember, she knows because she knows Han. (laughs) (laughs) And I think another thing that people miss in the movie is they feel like Poe's really getting hammered throughout the movie um, and being disrespected and all that. I see it totally differently. I think that Leia sees a lot of potential in him. I think she sees a lot of herself in him because I think in the first movie, she was really more impulsive and strong-headed and strong-willed. And she grew into becoming a general. And she sees that potential in Poe. And she wants to grow him and to be a mentor. And the mentor theme is huge in Star Wars, right? Because the original trilogy had, you know, Obi-Wan. Um, and so I think that she's sort of mirroring that she's, she's supposed to be a mentor to him. And I think people miss that because she slaps him and she argues with him, but it's, it's bigger than just what she's saying in that moment. And that's why towards the end, you know, she's telling Holdo, like, I like him or there's something I like about him. And she's like, I like him too. It's because they see through his hot headedness, they see the potential for a good leader in him. Right. And I think that that, you know, that's something that we're having a hard time accepting. We want to see him jump in a tie fighter and blast a bunch of stuff. But the other characters of the movie see that he has the potential to be bigger than that. And I think that that's pretty consistent with the original trilogy. I think that, you know, Luke evolved from somebody who hops in a cockpit into being, you know, a powerful Jedi. So I think, I, I think it's pretty consistent with what star Wars has been about. I just think it's gone about it differently than we're used to. Right. And I think, and just with Poe specifically, one thing that I love is like, he, he actually has a really full fledged character arc in this film. I mean, he, he goes, does, he goes from that cocky, like pilot basic with not really thinking about consequences to someone at the end of the movie where he, you know, he calls off the attack against the first order when Finn is the one that, you know, decides to keep going. But then he's also the one that leads them out of the, out of the base as Luke's there, basically there to distract the first order. And, um, with the help of Ray, you know, of course, as she moves the, the rocks, but it's cool to see him kind of like recognize this, this really, really important lesson that Leia is trying to, to teach him. And it's cool to see him actually kind of learn from that and to finally take, responsibility and like no there's like what like 20 of us left we we can't just die here we need to go out we need to carry on this uh so the rest of the galaxy can have hope again you know we need to be able to carry this spark with us so it's cool to see him like finally learn from that as well yeah i totally agree i mean she says to him you know we have everything we need right here mm-hmm and I think that's a huge aha moment for him. He's been so focused the entire movie on, you know, how many pilots they have, how many how many ships they have, and now they're down to nothing. And she's saying, you know what? Hope's not lost. Doesn't matter. We right. we're all we need. Our our uh, you know resolve is what we need. And he's like, oh, and yeah, he has he has some moments in the movie where he is deeply in in, in a lot of regret for his mistakes. You know, you can see in his face that. He has that turn where he agrees with her and he's it's painful and kind of embarrassing that he went in guns and blazing and it led to loss of life. But it, it is something that he needed to go through as a character. Um, and I'm just really anxious to see what his role is going to be in the third film. I think it's going to be potentially bigger than people realize, because I, I almost felt like people walked away from this movie thinking that they were beating that character down. 
<laughs> and mm. using him as a teaching tool of like, almost like, see, we're right. We're the generals or something. And it's like, no, I think they're setting him up. I think the whole movie is setting our central characters up to be really impressive in the third one because of what you mentioned earlier that Yoda says, you know, failure is the greatest teacher. I think we're going to see these characters become fully formed in the third one. And this was just their, you know, their biggest arc. Right. Totally. Yeah. And this is their biggest learning curve area. And, and I think, um, one thing that I really like, I feel like, um, Finn also kind of goes to that too, because he, um, I, I've heard Ryan Johnson say that Rose, part of her, you know, character or, or part of her involvement in the story, she's kind of like the angel on Finn's shoulder, and then DJ, played by Benicio del, del Toro, is kind of like the devil on Finn's shoulder, and oh, he I like kinda, that. He kind of challenges Finn, like you know, like you know, these people here in Canto Bay aren't just you know they're not just buying from the First Order, you know, they're not just selling to the First Order; they're also selling to the Resistance. Um, and it's, things aren't quite as black and white as you, as you think. Um, and, he, and so he's still kind of unsure where he lands in all this. Cause at the beginning of the movie, you see him wanting to basically just escape and run away from the conflict. Um, and Rose stops him, but by the end of it, um, he's, he's kind of full of revenge wanting to just, he's willing to kill himself so, to kill the first order. But then you, you get that great moment with uh with rose saves him and i think by the end of it he's kind of seeing the value of like no like this is where i stay this is where i belong these are the people i belong with i never had like people that really cared about me when i was part of the first order and, and i i really i i really enjoyed where he ends up as well because a lot of people i've heard like oh he should have died it would have been so cool if he would have sacrificed himself that would have been a great way for him to 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 get back at the first order and I think though that wasn't the point of what this movie was trying to be. It wasn't about Agreed, revenge, yeah. you know. That would have been inconsistent with the message of the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think I, I've heard that uh, people say that Finn doesn't have a character arc at all. That they're disappointed with where <laughs> what they've done with the character. That he should have had a great moment with Phasma, um, and it wasn't good enough, and you know all that stuff. But I I think he's just a different character than what people are trying to make him out to be. Um, in the first movie, I mean, he was all about just, we got to get out of here. I don't care about this war. What I care about is my survival, which is normal for what he went through. And then in this, and then, you know, Daisy Ridley's character is like this, you know, beacon of hope that is kind of changing his mind. But then in the, uh, in the second one, he's kind of backsliding again, back to like, man, this is bigger than me. I can't handle this. I don't want to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think Rose was to teach him a lesson, to get him to see that how big the universe is and what her people went through and just how many people this negatively affects. I hadn't thought of the angel and, and devil concept, but I agree. And I think that that you know, temptation of just being neutral is something that has been a huge part of Finn's character. And it kind of reminds me of how, you know, Han was in the original trilogy. It took a lot mm -hmm. for him to really take a stand. He wanted to live on the outskirts and not get involved. And I think that's kind of what Finn is struggling with. Do I, 
you know, survive and let this rest on the shoulders of people that can handle this. But then when he sees someone like Rose, who truly, I mean, you know, she doesn't have the force. She doesn't have connections. She has nothing except her will to survive and her will to make a difference that she's able to see the bigger picture and help him see it. And yeah, I think that his arc is actually a really big one. You know, at the end, he's picking up a lightsaber and he's fighting Phasma. And I thought he got a lot of really impressive moments. Um, so I was kind of surprised by the reaction. I, al- yeah. I also thought that with Phasma, you know, I saw a longer deleted scene where they have more dialogue and he like accuses her of she did something kind of shady. And then the stormtroopers almost shoot her and then she shoots them first. Um, and so I, I wonder if people would have liked that more if they got to see all that and he gets like more of a fight, but I also felt like her character was a lot like Boba Fett in that it's really hyped. You see her for a little bit and then that's it. And it was sort of like an echo callback. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I didn't personally, like, while I would have really liked to see more Phasma, I kind of wonder if she's like Boba Fett in that we kind of need her in a small dose because that makes that character more mysterious and exciting. So I I didn't really, I wasn't really disappointed with that aspect of the movie. Right. I wasn't, I mean, it, it would have been cool to have seen more Phasma, but the story doesn't really have place for it. So I'm okay. Right. But I I thought the showdown between them was a lot of fun. Like it's to me that whole section of the movie because you've got that conflict, then you've got the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff, and then you've got the 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 resistance trying to escape. To me, it's like there's like it's like a thirty minute sequence in the end of the second act that to me is probably some of the best Star Wars in my opinion. The way it's cut together and mm-hmm. edited and 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 these different conflicts that the characters are going through, it kind of heads to this point. And I, I, I love that whole sequence. I think it's, it's just, it's so much, it's so interesting and so much fun. But one thing just real quick, I want to mention with like DJ Benincio del Toro's character is I think he's really important in the fact that like Finn sees that like sometimes, you know, like the appeal of being neutral or whatever serves really only one person. And that's that one. And it's kind of a selfish, it can be, selfish in the sense that for him he you know he's there to help them and then as soon as it's not working out for his advantage he takes this deal from the first order and and leaves and basically you know is letting hundreds of people die because of that um and so i think finn sees that like he sees that like no there's people i care about on that with the with the first or with the resistance that i have to stand up for that i have to be willing to to fight for them and i think that's really kind of a a cool character moment for Finn to see that lifestyle that maybe is appealing to him. Really though, it doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't help any, anyone. And and at the end of the day, you're left by yourself alone. You know, you don't have friends, you don't have family. Um, and so I, I, I really like that as well. Yeah. And it's glamorous. It, it felt like that casino that they were in was sort of free from, you know, the resistance, free from the order, just outside of all of it, this glamorous sort of Bond-style paradise. But the point of all that was it has a cost, and the cost is high. It's Mm -hmm. people's lives at stake. It may not seem like it because you're not actively participating in their deaths, but you are. Mm -hmm. And I've often wondered if that part of the movie were shorter, if people would have accepted it more. Have Have you thought about that? Yeah, I don't know. Canto Bite is definitely, yeah, no one, a lot of people, they 
criticize that and even the most yeah even people that i know that really like this movie will say that like oh that part was i don't know if it was totally necessary um i mean i overall i enjoy it i think um my my only thing would be like maybe making dj's character the original person they were going to find um yeah like somehow making that whole like because i understood the point of that i think we both talked about just now what the point of that whole arc was it wasn't about you know, necessarily freeing those creatures. It wasn't about, you know, getting the codes and being successful. It was really all for Finn to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I want, I've wondered, that's the only thing that I've been able to sort I think of, they, they probably could have streamlined it a little bit better. So it's not yeah. quite as long, but I mean like the, the, the chase with the fathiers throughout the city. I, I really like that because it, to me, it's very Spielberg esque. It feels like yeah. it's from, and the music there. Um, I mean, it's John Williams, of course, but it's like, it feels like something from like Spielberg's early days. Um, and I'm sure that's probably what they were going for is like to pay, to pay some tribute to that. But, um, it's, to me, it doesn't slow the movie down to a grinding halt, which some people say that, but it definitely like, it definitely feels like it's taking, it's pulling us away a little bit from the central conflict, but it, to me, it gets back quick enough. But I think though, if I had a, critique it would be to maybe edit that to condense it a little bit but overall I'm still okay with all of it I feel the same way I I've noticed in a lot of movies that I like and a lot of even big blockbuster movies you'll hear that critique a lot that oh this is where the movie slows down or in parts where I didn't notice like I never thought that watching the movie and I guess I don't necessarily need a movie to constantly be tight in every single aspect and never ever slow down so I didn't notice it watching it the first time, but in repeat viewings, I agree with you. It's like the one part where I'm like, well, I could see this streamlined a little more in, in comparison to the rest of the movie. Because when you think about it, they go a lot of places in this film. I mean, you know, we're on that Island. They're at this casino. uh, There's the main battle. There's the battle at the end. Like there's kind of a lot of locations in this movie. Um, And maybe that's why people feel like this is such a departure. Yeah. But but I don't know. I still enjoyed it overall, and I, I think that we needed it to happen. It, um, maybe it could have been shorter, but we needed that part of the story to well, make the rest of it make sense. Right, and I think where it works, it gives us some time to get to know Rose because we really right. just got to know her, and we get to know like that she – one thing I liked about Rose is that she kind of – I mean, I guess this is really, though, where a lot of Star Wars characters, like, you know, they're kind of like – but I feel like Rose really encapsulates this more than any character. She's kind of like just this outsider. Um, I like how she sees Finn kind of as this like hero. And then she's brought into the conflict because she's just a maintenance worker. You know, she's not like, uh, you know, piloting an X-wing or, you know, whatever. She's just there yeah. to fix things basically in, in the ship. And she's brought into this greater conflict. Um, but we get to know about her, like coming from this like poor background and she's, it sounds like she's experienced some sort of trauma, if you will, like with the things that she's seen from the first order. And she's, she's, she's kind of our, our like eyes on the ground, look at the, the devastating consequences that the first order has on the rest of the galaxy. And I, and I like that cause it's kind of like gives us an insight onto, cause you can see like the bigger picture of it all of mm-hmm. how terrible the first order is, but from like a ground level, like, no, these, they, they've done some, terrible things and they need to be stopped you know like we can't let this oppression happen to the rest of the galaxy and i and i I think she brings that to it because i've heard 
one of my really good friends who overall likes the movie but thinks she's totally useless in the film and we've had he and I've had lots of debates about that <laughs> um, and I, I mean I can once again I can understand where someone's coming from with that but at the same time I, it just gives us more insight into the rest of the Star Wars universe and I I appreciate that and I liked her performance and I thought she was a likable character so yeah I agree I think she's very different yeah. um, I think that in the original trilogy and even in the prequels, we don't really get a lot of characters that come from nowhere. I mean, we start out with Luke, Luke as a farm boy, but that's not 100% true, right? right you right. know, it's like even when people appear to be from nothing, there's usually some big legacy behind them or some grand design. I guess maybe Han's an exception, but I think for the most part, these characters have a history and a story that Kelly's character doesn't have. So it's just something that I think we're not used to seeing in the universe. And so I think that when a character doesn't have a big background like that, it, like you said, I think they maybe view them as not needed. Um, but maybe that's not the point of her role. I don't think she'll be in the third one, right? Oh, she's in the third one. Oh, she is. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Cause I was kind of seeing her as more of, I, I did. I mean, the way that you're describing her actually is, you know, giving me more of an idea of why she's in the story because I really thought of her as only for the purpose of growing Finn and I kind of thought she wouldn't be in the last one. <laughs> well, I think, um, she, I think that is part of her purpose is to help grow Finn, but I also do think they give her enough to make her her own character. And I, oh, I, agree. And I, yeah. and I remember before the movie came out, I think it was at the Star Celebration before Ryan Johnson introduced the character like and, and said, oh, this is who Kelly, because she had been cast and no one knew who she was playing. And he said, she's a maintenance worker and she's there to really kind of give us a insight into like a different perspective on the Star Wars universe. And so, oh, okay. yeah, but I mean, yeah, and I just pulled up the cast list. She's so, yeah, I, I don't imagine she'll have a huge role in nine, but I, she's still in it. So. Yeah. Like you said, she's our eyes on the ground. She's not meant to necessarily be Poe or Finn or Ray. Right. But she's important to have that perspective. Yeah, I agree. And I like that. One thing that, I, you know, we mentioned like the uh, backlash she's received that has just been, you know, awful that, you know, that she's had to go through that. Um, but uh, one thing that was just really cool that I wanted to point out, I don't know if you uh, watched that the when they did the panel for episode nine at Star Wars Celebration just uh, back in April, um, they brought out the cast for episode nine and they brought out different people at different times. And so... When, when she came out, when Kelly Marie Tran came out, she got a standing ovation at the celebration. Oh, that's um, wonderful. From all the fans there. And it was just so cool to see, like, the, um, the, like, the love they had for her, the support she got. Like, and she got really emotional. I got emotional as I was watching it just because it's, like, it, you know, all the, all the terrible things that's been said to her on online and, and to have, like, just that know that she, that she is loved and, and supported was just, I think, really, really cool. I'm, I'm glad yeah. she got that. Yeah, something I bet, you know, the child that played Anakin or, you know, the guy that played uh, Jar, -Jar. Um, Jar Jar. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they wish they had had that immediate support way right. back then because, totally. you know, they faced, you know, the, this franchise is so big and people have such strong expectations for characters that I think sometimes they lose sight that, you know, there's a person behind there, you know, totally. yeah. and it's like a lesson we keep needing to learn, but 
uh, you know, I'm interested to see how people feel about her character, say, 10 years from now. Will it be something like that where we're looking back and thinking, man, you know, this uh, that wasn't right and we shouldn't have reacted that way. It's like we need to realize that these people are people and that just because a character doesn't play out the way you expected them or wanted them to, you know, it, there shouldn't be any negative backlash to the actor, <laughs> like ever, totally. you know. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm curious, what, what was your thoughts about um the parentage of ray's character i loved it (laughs) i have this feeling that they're gonna retcon it a little bit in the third one yeah but i liked it i liked the concept that maybe she wasn't someone royal because that you know royal in terms of not being a skywalker because I think that would be really interesting because she had fashioned her entire identity around this idea that there was some greater purpose and that she was going to find her parents and that, you know, but in this movie, she's starting to lose sight of that. She's asking questions like, what is my place in all this? And what does my having this strong force leaning actually mean? Does it mean something bigger? Am I going to get a family out of this or a lineage or something? And when she faces that disappointment of they were nobodies, but you already knew that, you know, that whole dialogue between her and Kylo Ren, um, I thought it was really cool. I I like that idea. I like the idea that it's not what we expected, but there's a lot going back watching those scenes with her and Kylo Ren that I feel like there's a lot of stuff he's not saying. Um, And I still kind of feel like they're siblings. Hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, first off, I I agree. I loved. I actually really like that she's not like she's a quote nobody. Um, thing is though, if you think about it, nobody is a nobody. I guess if that makes sense, like everyone right. has purpose and value. They're not just like a. Um, but I that was my hope going into it, you know, because before that was I remember huge conversation piece of like between seven and eight like oh is she a skywalker is she a solo is she a kenobi is she a palpatine whatever you know like basically Ooh, that would she, be cool too <laughs> yeah i mean i heard every every kind of theory out there and but i always wanted her to just to be a new person her own person um mm. and so for me when that happened i i was just i was glad that, that was the way it happened and i liked the way i liked the way it kind of went down too. her having to kind of like be okay with just being her. I don't know. Like, cause I think, yeah, sometimes, that's, that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's, that, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Cause sometimes I think it's like, Oh, if, if I'm attached to this person or if whatever, that means I have value or I'm important, but no, like you're important just because of who you are as an individual. And I think she needed to know that and experience that rather than, um, you know, have to be dependent on something. But I think in these big, blockbuster movies a lot of times they are like you there's like this uh trope of like oh you have to come from some great um heritage you know like whether it's like harry potter or even luke skywalker and i think this movie kind of takes that idea and 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 kind of changes it a bit um which i really liked yeah i kind of thought too that her pull to the dark side is you know something luke struggled with a lot um, even in the original, I felt like there's this implication that his his bloodline, you know, his father went to the dark side and he didn't. But I think that there's something about maybe not necessarily being a Skywalker, but maybe being the most powerful Jedi is that you have this like pull to the dark side as well. Like it comes with the territory or something because right. I felt like she really struggled with that. Um, and I liked that 
like Luke, she kind of has that, you know, she doesn't get her hand cut off, but she has that horrible moment of learning the truth, which I felt like echoed learning the truth of who Luke's dad was, was finding out that he's Vader. She's learning that her parents are nothing. Um, So I kind of felt like it really echoed that. And uh, they kind of have to get past that part to grow further, I guess, you know, as characters. Right. Um, but I felt like there was a lot of weird stuff with her and Kylo, that connection they have. I don't know if that's just because they're both, you know, equal light and dark or if there's something more to that. And even her, him telling her she's a nobody, but not to me. Well, I mean, he kind of mentioned that his father, you know, he's like, you want him to be your father. He would have disappointed you. Like, you know, basically he was nothing. You know, he didn't say yeah. he was nothing. But I felt like there was something like that where like he's maybe downplaying something about her, but I don't know. But that's kind of, I'm still wondering about why they're so, it seems like they're connected through the force, but there's like an emotional connection too. And I'm wondering where that comes from, you know? Well, I think there could be more to it. And I think, um, at the end of the day, I think I'm, I would be okay if they, if it makes sense for the story, I would be, I would be okay with it. Um, as it stands though, I, I liked that. And I think another reason that I, liked it was just kind of I mentioned um my <laughs> sorry my dog no, just okay. woke up <laughs> um <laughs> one thing that uh, so I mentioned my daughter that was just born right before this movie came out and uh we actually adopted her and I remember thinking like one thing that really resonated with me was that like if she ever grows up thinking like wondering about her parentage or her you know her birth biological family and things like that but and if that's ever a concern for her, I, I, I thought this was important that just be, it doesn't matter where you came from. You can still be a good person and you can still do great things with your life. Yeah, um, no, I, despite I, I, where I you agree. Come from. And to mm. me, that was just like, I, I really kind of resonated with that message and something that I hope that we can instill in, in, in my, in our daughter that she can kind of feel that throughout her life. I totally agree. I, to be clear, I would prefer that this character stay with the background that she has but i'm wondering if there's going to be a twist in the third one it there's there's things that happen in the movie that sort of make me think there might be um but but i liked it i liked that choice i never had a problem with her not having some magical lineage because I, i i agree with you i think it's important it's a message that's hammered through with her character and with kelly's about like it you shouldn't have to be some big important person for your life to have value right just everyone's life has value mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree um let's see do you want to talk a little bit about uh kylo ren's character and his arc yeah so um yeah. once again like i i was at a star wars party on may the 4th um, and it's kind of funny because the, a lot of the people I was with, like, so my brother and I were there and then there was some of our other friends that, um, or it's my, my brother-in-law, a lot of his family members and they, a lot of them don't like the last Jedi. They don't like Ryan Johnson. Um, and so there was, you know, of course there's a lot of conversations about the series and the franchise and expectations for the episode nine, but a lot of it was like around Kylo Ren and just how like they didn't like what happened with him in this movie. Um, and that, Oh, he needs to go back to like wearing his mask. He needs to be like this tough villain. And I, I totally disagree. I love that. He's this kind of really insecure guy that just like is unhinged really just kind of all over the place emotionally. Um, 
at points. It's like, I love, especially in this movie, he's like, he wants to be, um, have allegiance to Snoke, but then also he hates Snoke. Um, he, and he sees, I'd love that he, there's this like weird connection with Ray that he feels like maybe she will be someone that can kind of accept me for who I am. And I think that right. he feels that from her. And so he's like willing to like go down that road to try to like connect with her. Um, but yeah, I, I love Kylo Ren. I like where the movie ends up with Kylo Ren too, because it's, we've never really, cause he did something that Vader never could do. He killed his master. You know, he broke that, yeah. that cycle. And, uh, like the first order led by this totally unhinged, frustrated, uh, Kylo Ren to me seems really interesting. Um, and so I, yeah, I really liked where this movie went with him. And I thought it was, it gave it, gave us a really different villain, especially for a Star Wars movie where like you had Vader, but then you had Palpatine who was just kind of the representation of evil and where Kylo Ren is not totally that it's not quite that cut and dry. He's done mm -hmm. a lot of really bad things, but he's, you know, he's more complex than that. And so I, I really liked where they went with him in this film. I've said before that I feel like the way Adam Driver plays uh, Kylo Ren is how I wish Anakin was played mm -hmm. in the prequels because I felt like that's what we were supposed to see. We were supposed to see a guy go from – well, we didn't see this with Kylo. We didn't see when he was ever good. But with Anakin, I thought we were going to watch a good guy turn into a bad guy, and that's what the prequels are about. But he seems so frustrated and so angry throughout the – three movies that I never really saw him have a dramatic turn. I felt like, yeah, he's a bad guy. We knew that. Um, how do you start out with a character we know is a bad guy uh, and still, you know, we're surprised at his story arc. I feel like with Kylo Ren, that's what they're doing with his character in the first one. Um, I loved the moment when he took his mask off yeah. and it's just, you know, he just looked like, you know, a handsome guy, mm -hmm. like, and not, and not just a handsome guy, but he kind of looked like, like I remember walking out of it, me and Nick were like, he kind of looked like like a king or like a prince, you know, like something medieval almost, like when mm. he took his mask off and that it was sort of echoing that. Um, but I loved it because like, isn't that the truth that like no matter how big and bad somebody is, they take their mask off and they're just like, a, there's just a person under there, right. you know? Yeah. And so I loved that. And the fact that he was young, that he was almost her age, um, that, you know, he was like normal looking or good looking. Um, I think that was really jarring, and I, I actually loved that. And I was surprised afterwards when people were upset about it because I thought, no, like that's really that's a really cool concept that he's just a guy. Mm -hmm. And then um, he's slowly, though, I think turning into something else. You know, he gets his face slashed up, and um, which a lot of people were upset at that battle, but I liked it because I thought he was super duper injured. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it was a miracle that he was still able to stand up and fight. Um, and then now he's like healing. He's got this big uh, scar. We see him later in this movie destroy his helmet. So we know he's not going to be like Vader. Um, he's sort of letting that go. You know, in yeah. the first movie, he, he turned to Vader for everything. And in the second movie, he's turning against all that. And like you said, killing his master, I hadn't even thought of it that way. But yeah, you know, we went from having a cool-headed bad guy like Snoke to him being murdered. And now we all have to rely on this loose cannon, right. mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, like you said, I think more exciting and maybe even a little more realistic. Um, so whenever he's moved to the point of tears in the movie or has a moment of weakness... I love that because I think maybe in the same way that Luke 
was drawn to the dark side, you know, this bad guy is drawn to the light side in some ways. Yeah. He's always going to be in conflict with that. He will always have that conflict in him. And I think that that's really cool and interesting. Well, I love that they're always, they do kind of make a point of that, especially in, even in The Force Awakens and this, of like him viewing that as like a weakness, that he's being drawn to the light side mm -hmm. um, and trying yeah. to fight it, even though like it's, it's like, and it's kind of an opposite thing of like being drawn to the dark side, um, which I think is really interesting. But, but yeah, I think um, too, like he, and especially in the last Jedi, like at the end of the movie, we, you know, we talked about like how the first order is like trying to survive and to fight another day and try to save who they, what the people they have left. I feel like for him, he's kind of like at the end of that, the opposite, he has this, like all these resources he can use to destroy these, the first order. And he's willing to just sacrifice all of it, you know? And then when Luke shows up, especially he's just so like angry and pissed off that he just totally loses it and is willing to just waste all of their, you know, all the, the, their, I'm sure they, I don't, I don't know if they have like certain amount of laser bolts or whatever to shoot, but like, he's just like, let's get rid of all of it. I need to kill this guy. Um, it's, yeah, it's just interesting how like there's that, that opposite too of him just willing to exas exasperate all his resources to kill the, you know, to kill Luke. To kill, like, the best part of him, I think, too. You know, he right. thought killing his dad, that that was going to end his conflict. Then when he almost kills his mother, he realizes he can't do it. Yeah. Then, you know, he tries to kill Luke, and Luke tells him, you're never going to kill that part of yourself. I'm always going to be with you. It's sort of a way of saying, like, yeah. he can't get rid of this conflict inside him. It's never going to go away, even if he wants it to. He can't just cross over to the dark side. And right. I think Luke understands that in a way that maybe other people can't because his father was Vader. And in the end, his father did do something good, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like his, even, even Vader had a turn. Yeah. So he's telling him like, you know what? <laughs> I mean, there's a good possibility that you're going to have a turn. And I, I think in the third one, he probably will, you know, in some capacity yeah. do something good at the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm so Man, I have no idea how that movie's going to turn out with like I know. Palpatine coming back. <laughs> it's exciting. And, yeah, it's it is. It's cool. So, but uh, oh. but I just wanted to say quickly the um, the lightsaber battle with Ray and Kylo oh teaming God. up was so unexpected and so, so unexpected. amazing to see them two fighting together against um, Snoke's guards was just and it's it's one of the best lightsaber fights I think and it's. Um, anything it's not like anything we've seen in a lightsaber fight either i feel like it's a lot more physical um they're much more like they're doing more than just clashing lightsabers and uh, absolutely I yeah oh i love that i thought that scene was so epic and i thought like oh this is one of those moments in like star wars history that's going to you know this clip will be replayed over and over and it's just a defining moment yeah. Um, and I, it was one of the points in the movie where I was like, man, this is a special film. Like, I really thought that. I thought this part, you know, uh, the, the end with Luke uh, facing off, you know, everything at the end. Um, there were a couple scenes in this movie that I thought really defined it. And I thought this was one of them. I, I loved it. Yeah, it was an amazing and, scene. And it's funny because I, I felt the same way, especially with Luke at the end, too. The force projection, and then I get online and like, oh, Jedi's can't do force projection. You know, it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> Let's talk about the ending real quick, and then we'll do our last two questions. Uh, okay. 
So, um, yeah, I think you mentioned that, you know, the ending is something that people had a hard time with, with Luke's force projection and then him passing away. But I really love this because I didn't realize it the first time I watched the movie. But the second time he asked Ray earlier in the film, you know, like, what do you expect us to do for me to just show up and fight the whole, you know, first order? And like, that's literally like the last scene, you know? (laughs) And uh, I think that's really a cool callback of, you know, that was a big turning point for Luke. I think he felt like it was so impossible without the resources he used to have. He lost all his students uh, because of Kylo. I loved the conflict that he had about Kylo Ren and, you know, Ray learning that ugly truth that he did have a moment of doubt, Mm -hmm. which I thought was extremely human. And, you know, he probably had the thought of like, I'm sure Yoda did of what if I had just killed Anakin you know it's like killing baby Hitler you know (laughs) it's like there's a temptation there before that person turns is that right or not Um, Mm -hmm. and that is ironically what does turn Kylo and it's a mistake that he had he made that he has to deal with at the end of the film and I think he's sorry about it but he also can't fix Kylo and yeah I just love that wrap-up at the end of Kylo's rage not being able to defeat him he can't get rid of him no matter what he does yeah, and I think too it plays in really well of like Luke's, um, kind of like the, I mentioned before, like his nonviolent approach. Like he he doesn't want to kill Kylo Ren. He doesn't want to, you know, get into like a legitimate lightsaber duel with him. But he's there. He's literally there to distract um, the First Order so that the rest mm-hmm. of the the Resistance can escape. And I and I love that. I think that plays really well in, once again to the theme of the movie and into. Luke's character as a whole of him being um you know like he he sacrificed his himself for that so that they could Mm -hmm. could fight another day and I I'm a bit mixed on him dying I I I love the way he like if you're gonna kill Luke that's the perfect way to do it right he goes into the forest just completely right and and (laughs) he does and he and he dies sacrificing himself for the people he loves and cares about and that I'm glad that he got that moment with Princess Leia like that was a one of my favorite moments of the movie. Yeah, it's um, powerful, especially now. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's it's I guess it's more of a selfish thing. Like Luke's gone, and he's not gonna. Which I mean, he's Mark Hamill. No is, one's ever really gone, right? And, <laughs> and Mark Hamill is in Episode Nine, so I mean, I'm ex- I'm that that gets me excited. But overall, I, I do like it. It's just a little bit. Uh, it's still sad seeing one of my favorite fictional characters of all time pass away. Well, when he dies and the sun is like setting and it's like, there's this feeling of like, suns and, yeah. yeah, life's going on without him, right. you know, mm-hmm. like he, he's, and he's seeing the sunset on his character's arc completely. Yeah. I think, again, there's a part of me that wonders if some of the people that really don't like this film, this is just a really painful concept, totally. you know, because it kind of speaks to a larger one of like our lives are you know, we're, we're, we're all going to get older. We're right. all getting older. And so like, I just feel like there's like a painful part of this that's hard to separate um, because I don't know that we've ever gotten to see a character really go through all that. I mean, we see him as a 20 year old to now and even seeing Mark Hamill behind the scenes, like there was a scene where um, he goes over and Frank Oz is puppeting Yoda and he's talking and, you know, Mark Hamill's like, man, this is making me really emotional. And it's like, it's, it's crazy because it's in the movies, but it's also in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's just heavy. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we've made a good case for this movie. Um, and I feel like, uh, 
you know, listeners should go over to your show too and hear some hear some of your side and the other side, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> we did an episode with, uh, like I said, it was one person that did not like the movie, and then there was me who loved it, and then another guest that was in between. So we got a pretty good mix. So. Oh, but, I want to give a. Sh- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, but if you want to just hear us gush, there's also an episode for that too. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I think the last thing, and I really re- regret that we didn't go more into his character. We never talked about Hux, but I do want to say Donald Gleason does a great job as that character. And I think it's interesting what he's done with him. So I wanted to throw that in there real quick. (laughs) But uh, let me ask you your last two questions. Um, Why do you think you keep coming back to this film? Um, Well, first off, it's Star Wars. So I will always be coming back to Star Wars. No matter, you know, like, like I mentioned the prequels, I still rewatch those as well. So, but beyond that, it's, this movie specifically, though, I just, like I said, like, the the themes really resonate with me. Um, I love the theme of, like, failure and of preserving the light. I think um, this movie, like I mentioned, has a really special, like, spot for me personally, as well, like I mentioned, with my daughter being born a month before. So, anytime I watch this movie, I, I can't watch it without... Oh, there she is. Saying <laughs> She's hi. saying hi. <laughs> She's definitely going to be in this podcast. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um... But so I have that special connection too because of her and I, it just, it just reminds me of becoming a dad for the first time as well. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day though, it's really just the themes and I think it's a great, we didn't really talk a lot about the action, but I think the action's great. I think the star, like really great space battles in it. Um, great lightsaber. We talked about the lightsaber fight, but the, um, it just, it, I don't know, it checks all the boxes for me for a great Star Wars film. And so that's why I'll go back and watch it again. I totally agree. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, it when you walk into a Star Wars movie, you have certain expectations. And I think it's a really challenging balance to bring something new to the table, but echo it back to the original franchise enough to where it feels like Star Wars. And I think this movie did that for me. It was able to sort of step outside of itself and bring in some really big, important themes um, that are strong. Um, Some great visual moments, uh, a couple of which we talked about, and to just still be a Star Wars film. Um, So that's why I keep coming back to it. Again, I've been surprised at the backlash, but I do wonder if over time it will lessen as, you know, as we move away from our expectations of the original and and see newer and different takes and accept that as part of Star Wars lore. I wonder if people will look back on this a little more fondly. I I hope that they do and they see what... Yeah, and they can see what some, you know, non-fans, although you're a big fan, we mentioned that a lot, yeah. uh, what some non-fans saw in it as well. Um, yeah, and so h- how do you pitch this movie to someone that hasn't seen it? Um, I, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's hard because I think it's... It is, uh, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing I would say is that, you know, I don't know, go into this expecting, like... Get, get rid of your expectations, I guess, of what you think a Star Wars movie should be, of, of what you, th- and honestly, just what you think a big budget blockbuster movie should be, and try right. to, try yeah. to pay attention to what the director's trying to say, you know, because there's, I like that directors sometimes can have a voice to say something, and I think this movie has a lot of great things to say, and so, uh, of course, like, there's great spectacle, and great, a lot of fun, great humor, and all that into it, but try to pay attention to what this movie's trying to say, and I think you can really get something good out of it. Um, that's probably how I'd pitch it. I mean, it's, I think like, that's how I've, I guess 
I've pitched it to people that don't like it because um, I've done that a lot. I'm, I'm not saying that I've ever really changed anyone's mind, but I did have one friend that I that did not like it that I talked through some of the points with it and and he kind of was able to appreciate a little bit more. So I mean, I get, yeah, I guess that's probably where I'd leave it with trying to pitch this movie to someone. I say let the past die, kill it if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I I think you know I, yeah I would say that sometimes. Um, a movie subverting your expectations and taking characters in different directions, I don't think equals bad writing. I think it's just, it can be disappointing, but right. sometimes that disappointment is what makes me like it. Like, I remember when I saw a movie last year called Hereditary, I walked out of that movie and I went, man, that was so disturbing, so ugly, so upsetting. And my husband was like, it's a horror movie. You're supposed to have a visceral reaction to it. And, you know, I had to think about it for like 24 hours. And I was like, man, the fact that that movie could make me feel all those things like, wow, you know, that's that's impressive. It it changed how I felt about the movie. I needed time to digest it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that because I needed time to digest it, it's bad. And I think with this movie, it's similar in that way. Um, I felt, you know, heartbreak and pain with Luke's character. But just because I felt bad about something doesn't mean the movie's bad. It, it means the movie did its job. Right. And, and you don't have to like what it did. But yeah, I, I would say walk into the movie with an open mind and see it to the very end. Because I feel like sometimes people get a little too caught up in the fact that he has moments of weakness throughout the movie. That they're not realizing the great victory he has in the end. You know, failure yeah. was his teacher. And it gives him this incredible moment at the end where, like you said, he dies protecting everyone he loves he dies in a really heroic way um but with, if you're too caught up in the beginning of him having a moment of weakness with kylo ren and running away from you know the resistance then you don't get to see that big arc he has at the end so i would say wait it out you know see right. the bigger picture of, I think, of what it's trying to say i think sometimes we forget that failure happens in all parts of life. It doesn't just happen when we're young and like teenagers. Yeah, or we're young, true. We're in our That's young adult point. years. Like it happens when we're older. You know, I know like I've seen people that have had very successful businesses throughout most of their career haven't failed in the latter part of their career or whatever. And, you know, things happen, you know, sometimes life just happens like that and we experience those failures and that doesn't diminish what we did before or who we are. Um, I think Luke, at the end of his life, unfortunately, he had some really terrible things happen, and, and but once again, he recovered from it, you know. And he, like, mm-hmm. he, like you just said, he did, he did something amazing at the end of his life and saved his saved his friends. And so, um, yeah. Anyways, that that's my final thought, I guess, on that. No, I I completely agree. I think it, it's true. We're used to seeing characters flounder when they're teens or young. And so maybe that's why people accepted that more from Luke when he was young. But by the time he's an adult, we want him to like not have any more failure, even though we know that's not consistent with reality. In reality, we do have ups and downs in life. And that's just what Luke went through. Right. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, a lot to think about, I feel Definitely. like. Uh, I'm sure we'll, that we'll, we'll stop recording and I'll think of like a thousand more things yeah. I wanted to say, but but that's okay. Like I said, um, you know, I, I really appreciated having you on for this episode. I've been excited to talk about it. I'm not going to lie, a part of me put it off a little bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, just things were so tense with this movie a while back that I was kind of waiting a little bit. Um, But I'm glad that we made time. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, where can people find you and your show? Um, You can find us at Superhero Movie Cast. Um, You can find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, 
Uh, if you want to, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to. And got another little friend here with me. But and uh, so you can, yeah, find us there. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram. You, if you want to connect with me personally, you can find me at just at uh, Thomas Olson on Facebook or superhero moviecast at gmail.com if you want to email me there too. Perfect. Well, thanks so much and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Bye. Bye. <laughs>